Hello, and thank you for tuning in to this recorded Valley Creek Sermon. Because of a small issue in our live streaming software, a portion of the first part of this sermon is missing. However, we believe you'll catch on fairly quickly. For reference, you can turn to Ephesians chapter 2, verses 11 through 22. All right, because he goes on and he says that not only have they been reconciled vertically to God, but they've also been reconciled sort of horizontally with one another. Remember, this is a church made up of Jewish Christians and Gentile Christians, people who, by worldly standards, should, should have nothing in common. Right? And, and Paul's saying here, hey, not only have you been reconciled to, to God, that's most important, but you've also been reconciled to one another, right? to people who, who, by worldly standards, you, you should not have a lot in common with. Right? So look at the language going to verse 14. I want you to, he's take, talking to this you got Gentile Christians, you got Jewish Christians, two, two very different people, different backgrounds, different experiences. And listen to the language uh, in verses 14 through 16. He says, For he himself is our peace, who has made us both one. He has broken down in his flesh the dividing wall of hostility. By abolishing the law of the commandments, express an ordinance that he might create in himself one new man in place of the two. So making peace and might reconcile us both to God in one body through the cross, thereby killing the hostility. And so the, our boy Paul loves a good run on sentence. Right? I don't know if you know it. Paul's hard to read sometimes. Uh, actually, if you, this is side note, this is not in my notes. If you get to the book of Peter, uh, one of the, I can't remember which book of Peter it is, but one of his letters, uh, Peter actually says like, hey, Paul is hard to understand sometimes, right? I've, I've never felt more understood in my life. Um, so Paul loves a good run on sentence, but his gist here is this, right? Through their mutual faith in Christ, like through their Mutual faith in Christ, God took people from vastly different backgrounds, vastly different experiences, the Jews and the Gentiles, and he has reconciled them both to himself, but also to one another. Right? And at that point in history, it would have been absurd for a Jew and a Gentile to relate to one another in any sort of meaningful way. Right? Vastly different backgrounds. Vastly different experiences. Now, you, you think of the, the division that you see just in, in any, just take what we plays out on our news channels. Right? You think of the division that exists between right wing, left wing. You think that's bad? Like Jewish and Gentiles, uh, the Jews and the Gentiles were, were hostility that had been going on for generations and generations, thousands of years. And yet what Paul's saying here is despite those vastly different backgrounds, You've been reconciled together. Right? The, the gospel of Jesus Christ came to them and through their belief, they were reconciled together so that they're no longer strangers, aliens, but they're now fellow citizens, fellow members of the household of God. In other words, they, they exist in deep, meaningful relationship as a family. Right? I... Uh, I, I remember sitting in this room when, when Andrew preached a sermon way back like last spring about how the church is not like a family. It is a family. And that's what we see here. They're vastly different backgrounds, 
and yet they've been reconciled to one another in a family. Right? Their new shared identity in Christ transcended all the divisions, all the, uh, the boundaries that the world said, like, these should, these, these should not work together. Right? All the sources of hostility, all the sources of division, all the sources of tension were transcended by their new shared identity in Christ. Now, did they immediately act unified? Probably not. Right? The fact that, that uh, the, the language Paul uses here, he's like, hey, if you go back to verse 11, hey, remember, right? he's reminding of them of what is true about them. My guess is they're having to be reminded maybe because like some tension has crept in, right? Some hostility, maybe some division. And so Paul's writing this letter to the church in Ephesus to remind them, hey, 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 hey. That stuff that's causing tension, that's causing disagreement, that's causing disunity, remember, this is what's most true about you. This is what's most true about you. My guess is it took a while for them to live this out. Right? He even, if you look at verses uh, 20, 21, 22, he uses the language, they're, they're being built. They're being joined. It's a work in process. Right? Even though God has declared it true, in like the practical working out of that, like they're not all the way there yet. Right? And if you fast forward to Ephesians 4, uh, <laughs> Paul begins chapter 4 talking about the importance of unity, but he says like, hey, you're going to need to walk together in humility and gentleness and patience, and you're going to have to bear with one another in love, which all that suggests, like, this is hard. It doesn't come easy. You're going to have to bear with one another. In other words, you're going to have to endure each other for a little while because you're going to drive each other crazy. Right? But, but just because they hadn't mastered it yet doesn't mean that it's not true. We, we kind of live in this already not yet world. Right? That's, that's like the whole Christian life. They're in this process of of sanctification, just like we are. We know this is what we will be. We know we're not there yet, but we still work and strive for it. And so the, the overarching point on display here, I think in these, these few verses, in, in the church of Ephesus, but really even beyond that, the church throughout all of human history, is that the gospel creates a wide community. Right? The gospel creates a community of people from different backgrounds, different life experiences, different stories, different, I mean, you can go a million different, different ages, different, I mean, just all over the place, right? Cultural uh, experiences, cultural backgrounds, ethnicities, uh, socioeconomic, right? The gospel creates a community that transcends all of those common barriers that, that we see at play in the world today. And so here's what I want to do. We, we started in the Old Testament just spend a little time in the New Testament, but now I want to fast forward to right now. Actually, literally in this room right now. So we're going to do a little crowd participation. It's going to be fine. Don't get nervous. Okay? Here's, here's what I would say. Uh, we're just going to do a little poll by show of hands. Here's what I invite you into. This is not just for me to see. This is for us to see. So whenever we're responding, look around. Look around at the other people in the room. We're in this together. Okay? And then... Another caveat to that is I would just encourage you to be transparent. 
Right? This is not a place. I want this to be a safe place for you, no matter what your background is, no matter what your experience is. I want you to feel welcome here. Uh, and so I hope you'll feel okay raising your hand. But that made it sound really intense. It's not that intense. It'll be fine. All right. Let's start with some easy ones, though. Okay. By a show of hands, how many of you are originally from this area? All right. A few. Okay, how many of you guys are not from this area? You moved here for work or school or military or, all right. That's a good mix there. That's some good diversity. All right. How about this one? How many guys are, uh, you're still working for the man? You're like, I'm still grinding it out 40 plus hours a week doing my thing. Most of us in the room, I don't know, it's a mixture in the room. All right. How many of you are retired? All right, proud. Some proud retirees. Give them a hand. Yeah, they've earned it. All right. This is not in my notes, but let's do this. How many of you guys got your quarterly retirement account statements? And you're like, I'm going to have to go join the first group. Yeah, back to work. Okay. All right. Uh, how many of you guys are like me and you'll never be able to retire? Yeah, okay, sweet. All right, here, here, let's do, uh, let's see, let's, let's get a little controversial here. How many guys are Cats fans in the room? I don't mean like the animal cats. I'm talking like Go Big Blue. All right, good. Good. That's the majority of us, I think. How many of you guys are, uh, is it L1C4? Is that the thing? I, I can't, I'm, I need to cut my hand off. I can't believe it. If you're, what is it if your right hand causes you to sin, cut it off? Um, how many guys are like just somebody else? I don't care. Not cats or cards. Somebody else altogether. Okay. How many guys have no idea what I'm talking about right now? Okay, perfect. All right. Perfect. Perfect. We'll pray for you guys. Um, let's do this. Let's get a little, little deeper. How many guys grew up with some sort of church background? So most of us. Okay. How many guys that, that, that grew up with a church background? How many grew up in a church background that was maybe a different denomination Maybe even a different religion altogether. A few of you. All right. So what about, uh, how many just maybe had little to no religious affiliation growing up? Okay. Got some diversity there a little bit. What about, um, how many guys you look back at your, kind of your upbringing, your home life, and you would say like, man, I had a, I had a pretty good home life. Not perfect, but it was pretty good. All right. How many of you be transparent enough to say, like, man, I look back at my home life and I'm like, there was some issues. Like, maybe not, I don't, it doesn't mean it was your doing, but you were just the, existed in an environment where there was just some issues. Yeah. Now, listen, we could, we could do this all day. Okay, it might be kind of fun, right? But my point I want you to see is that, that in this room, is there some people who share some things in common with you? There are some people who, who you really probably don't share a lot in common with. Okay? And, and, and yet, all those things, I mean, again, we could, we could take those issues and go even more specific, even, even deeper, get even more diversity in this room. But despite like, how we raised our hands on different things that said something about us, the, at the end of the day, we're still in this room together. Because the gospel creates a, a wide community. People from different backgrounds, different experiences, Different life stories, 
right? Different ages, different socioeconomic levels, uh, different stages in, in life, right? Different family structures. The, the gospel creates a wide community, right? It's, the, the church is marked by, I hear that the, mar- the church is marked by unity, but not uniformity. In other words, we're, we're not all going to look the same. We're not all going to act the same. We're not all going to have the same stories. We're not all going to have the same experiences. Like, we're just different. And you can be unified in the most central thing, and there still be some diversity among us. I would argue diversity is a good thing among us. Right? And I'll get to more of that in just a minute. But what I want you to see is that this community of faith, if you are a follower of Jesus Christ, this community of faith, this church, it, it transcends common boundaries of, of age, of uh, cultural background, economic status, political divisions, uh, family experiences, all those things, right? Because those things are not what is most true about you if you are a follower of Jesus Christ. Like, that, that's not... All those things that the world would say, like, this is how you're identified. This is what matters most. If you're a follower of Jesus Christ, those things are not what's most true of you. Right? What's most true of you is that what we just sang a few minutes ago, that you are a child of God. Regardless of your background, regardless of your experiences, regardless of, of whatever else the world might say makes you different, you're a child of God. And if you want to do a little cultural commentary, one of the reasons that, I think one of the reasons the world is just in such a mess right now is because we've taken these things that are not ultimately true about us and we've elevated them to being the thing that is most true about us. Right? So whenever you look at uh, your gender, sexuality, political beliefs, whatever, and you say, like, this is what's most important about me, this is what's most true about me, well, of course, when someone criticizes or disagrees with that, you feel it personally. No wonder there's so much division in the world today. But what I want you to know is that if you're here as a follower of Jesus Christ, what is most true about you is that you are a child of God. Right? You are a child of God. You were once separated, alienated. If you were here last week, you were once dead in your sins, but now you've been made alive. And not only have you been reconciled to God, most importantly but you've also been reconciled to one another in this room right? so, that, so that we can be a people from, from diverse experiences, from diverse backgrounds, and still exist together in a community. Right? Here's what one author said that I read this week. He says, Being a Christian is more fundamental to your identity than your family, your ethnicity, your profession, your nationality, your sexuality, your personality, or any other way this world defines your identity. And so the unity that you share with every Christian supersedes every other bond. This is a family. It's not like a family. It is a family. Right? This is true of us now in this room, like we just did the exercise and raised our hands like we all know. But listen... My hope is that this would be increasingly true of us moving forward. And I think we are in a prime position for that. 
So let me explain what I mean by that. Um, if you've been around here for any number of weeks, you've probably heard me mention something about uh, a neighborhood assessment we're doing with an organization called Seed to Oaks. Uh, let me, we, basically what we did is we just kind of took this campus uh, and literally on Google Maps just drew a boundary and about a mile, mile and a half radius boundary and said, what can we learn about this community? Right? What, what's happening here? What do we need to know here? How can we be a church that's better positioned to, to love and serve the community that we exist in? Right? And so uh, we're not done with that process yet, but we have learned a few things. I'm going to give a uh, shout out to Garrett Crump because he compiled a lot of these statistics and research. Uh, but let me give you some of the things that we found so far. One, there is a significant diversity uh, around this campus uh, in, in terms of, of age and, and life stage, right? There's everything from, from young families all the way up to retirees, okay? I even, uh, I take this with a grain of salt if you want. I was talking to the surveyor that's helping with the, uh, the rezoning across the way. He said that even part of that over there is going to be some assisted living facilities, right? So just increasing diversity in this area. Um, the area around this campus is also one of the more uh, one of the more ethnically diverse areas in all of Hardin County. Right? There is, uh, again, the, the statistics that I saw. There's about 25% of the population is minority which is quite a bit higher than other parts of Hardin County. So we've got an ethnically diverse community around us. Uh, there is quite a bit of socioeconomic diversity around us. Right? You, you drive through, you can see that. There's a variety of different levels of housing and all those sorts of things. Uh, I've also learned that there's quite a bit of difference or uh, quite a bit of diversity that is in family structure. So I was talking on Monday this week with a representative from one of the local schools here. And she was just kind of telling me what kind of the family makeup was like of the, the, the students that she serves. She says there is a significant percentage of her students that come from uh, single parent homes, single, single mom, uh, and, and even some children that are being raised by their grandparents because neither mom or dad are in the picture. So we've got different family structures. There's, uh, you guys know this, have lived here for a while, there's the diversity that comes with living in a military town, right? People come from all over the country, and they're here for a while, and they leave, and then another wave comes in, so you got that sort of diversity built in. You got, add the, all the industry that's coming to the area, whether it's the, the, the steel mill up in Brandenburg, or the new Ford plant coming down the road in Glendale, right? People, again, coming from all over the country, uh, here to, to take part in the, the industry and the growth of the area. Uh, there's uh, one of the things that I saw is that the area surrounding this campus is one of the fastest growing areas in terms of population, fastest growing areas in Hardin County. Right, and I saw that on the 2020 census, so that was before they were about to rezone 30, 40, 50, however many acres over here and turn it into apartment buildings. Okay, but, but here's the statistic I think that should encourage and excite us and motivate us the most. All right, for all the d diversity that, that exists around this place, this is also one of the most unchurched areas 
in all of Hardin County. Right, kind of this area right around us. So what I want us to take away from this is that, is that what, what the world might see is opposition. People from different backgrounds, different stories, different experiences, different levels of this, that, and the other. What the world might see as opposition, I think the church of Jesus Christ should see as an opportunity for a diverse community. Right? Because, listen, the, the gospel of Jesus Christ creates a wide community. Men, women, children, families from a diverse walk of lives, walks of life. I think that's what we ought to to hope to see this community grow into. I think it's what we ought to pray to see this community grow into. I think it's what we ought to serve to see this community grow into. It's what we ought to labor to see this community grow into. It's what we ought to, uh, it's the reason we want to welcome people into this place that, that aren't like us. It's why we want to show radical hospitality to people, to our community that we may not, at a worldly level, have a lot in common with because the gospel creates a wide community. And when there's a, a diverse... Listen, the goal is not diversity. Maybe I should back up. I probably should have said that up front. The goal is God. The goal is the gospel. But I would contend that, that where there is a diverse gathering of people from a variety of different walks of life a variety of different experiences. What the world sees is, man, there's something there. Right? there there's something about a community where you've got people from different ethnicities, different family structures, right? different socioeconomic levels that all gather in one place and exist in deep, meaningful relationship together. There's something attractive about that. There's something that causes people to take notice when a community looks like that. So here's how I want to close this morning. We started in the beginning. Genesis, I'm going to fast forward and take you to the end. All right, this is Revelation chapter 7. This is kind of the picture we get of, of the throne room. Revelation 7 verses 9 and 10 says this. After this I looked and behold... A great multitude that no one could number from every nation, from all tribes and peoples and languages, standing before the throne and before the Lamb, clothed in white robes with palm branches in their hands, and crying out with a loud voice, Salvation belongs to our God who sits on the throne and to the Lamb. All right, listen. Heaven is going to be a diverse place. All right, I I've said this before. I'll keep saying it because I'm going to keep it in front of you. Heaven is going to be filled with a lot of people that aren't like you. And my hope is that this community, this community might work, and when I say community, I mean us as a church, might work, labor, serve, pray, proclaim, preach, and teach to see this little microcosm of a community look more and more like the community that we will worship with in heaven one day. Right? Because the gospel creates a wide, a wide community. Right? 
And next week you come back and we're going to talk about how the gospel creates a deep community. All right, let me pray for us. Father, we come to you this morning uh, grateful for who you are. Lord, grateful for your plan of salvation and redemption and that, that Lord, we, we as Gentiles, we not of your, not as, not as your, your nation that you created, that you extended salvation to us. We're grateful for that. Grateful that we were once dead in our sins, but now through Christ we've been made alive. We were once alienated, cut off, hopeless, strangers, but now we've been brought near. We've been reconciled, we've been redeemed, we've been saved, not through anything that we've done, but through the gracious gift of your son, Jesus. And so, Father, I pray... uh, Just a couple things. For those of us in this room that are believers or followers of Jesus Christ, may we see that as most central to our identity. May we not not think of ourselves primarily through the lenses that the world says we should be identified through, but may we look at ourselves through how you see us. as, As your children, saved by your grace and your mercy. And the Father, maybe there's some in here this this morning. Maybe they've never responded to the gift of, uh, of salvation. I pray that, uh, the Lord, they would see that the good news of Jesus is good news for all people, regardless of their, their stories, their experiences, their, their backgrounds, or regardless of, of how far away from you they've been, that there is hope for them in Christ to draw near. So Lord, I pray that you might or that you might save this morning if there's one here that needs to be saved and reconciled to you. I pray that you might do that. But Lord, I also pray that as we've talked most about this morning, that, that we would see this community as a, as a place where we are reconciled to one another. May you make us into a people, regardless of, uh, of our, our backgrounds and our experiences and our stories, may you, may you make us into a people where our, our diversity, uh, Lord, is a, it is attractional. It highlights that there is something, uh, something deeper about us, something more true about us than what the world says about us, and that is that we, we have hope, that we've been saved, we've been redeemed, and we've been brought together into a community that we might give glory to the world around us, to the community around us, that they might see how you reconcile a people for yourself. So Lord, I pray that... Um, Lord, that you would do that in this place. I pray that as we work and labor and serve and, and learn about our community in the weeks, months, years ahead, I pray that you might pour out your spirit here in this place, that we might become a diverse community marked by deep, meaningful, caring relationships with one another. But Father, we can't manufacture that in ourselves. You've got to do it for us. And so we pray that you would do that. We love you. We praise you. We ask all this in Jesus' name. Amen.